Hello, and welcome to Musings on History. Episode 9.3, The Climate Zones of Africa. Hello, and welcome back to Musings on History and the Ancient Africa series. This is the third episode of the series, and the topic of the day are the climate zones of Africa and how the climates of Africa have shaped civilizational development on the continent. Now, there are five main climate zones in Africa that I will be talking about. The equatorial zone, the humid zone, tropical zone, the semi-desert zone, the Mediterranean zone, and the desert zone. So Africa is located across equatorial and subtropical latitudes in both the northern and southern hemisphere, with most of the continent lying within the intertropical zone between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, giving Africa a density of humidity. Temperature, temperate climates are rare across the continent, except at very high elevations. And Africa is unique in that the climate is more variable by rainfall than by temperature, which is very high from north to south, east to west. In short, the whole damn continent is hot all the time, which is why I'm so glad to be black because I truly cannot stand being cold. In fact, Africa holds many heat-related records. The continent has the hottest extended region year-round, the hottest areas with the hottest summer climate, and it has the highest sunshine duration. Chapter 1, the Equatorial Zone. A tropical climate is a climate subtype that is usually found within 10 to 15 degrees latitude of the equator. Tropical or equatorial climates generally maintain high temperatures and steady rainfall patterns throughout the year. The equatorial region near the intertropical convergence zone is the wettest part of the African continent. Today, the equatorial zone only covers the countries of DRC and Congo Brazzaville, but it was much larger during the late Holocene period around 4,000 years ago. Paleoecologists, didn't know what the hell that was until uh, this podcast, have put forward a hypothesis that around 2,600 years ago in, a, in an event they call the late Holocene rainforest crisis, most of this dense rainforest became grassy savanna with very few trees. And then about 600 years after that, the rainforest rebounded and grew back to their original size. So initially it was believed that naturally occurring climate change caused this rainforest crisis with less annual rainfall or longer dry seasons and shorter monsoon seasons. The climate shift was believed to have devastated the rainforest, but created the conditions for the spread of the savanna. The late Holocene African rainforest crisis occurred around the same time as the first wave of the Bantu migrations, and the Bantu people spread southward into Central Africa, bringing iron tools and pearl millet cultivation with them, amongst other things. So most paleoecologists hold the view that warming sea surface temperatures in the Gulf of Guinea caused a shift in the region's monsoon cycle, leading to a longer, drier, dry season, so the Bantu people migrated south to farm millet on the open grasslands. But University of Potsdam paleoecologist Yannick Garson and his colleagues just published a new study on the rainforest crisis, and they argue in it that 
It happened the other way around. People moved south into the rainforest and cleared the land to plant the millet. And when their population crashed 600 years later, the rainforest rebounded. Most of the debate centers around whether the Bantus moved south and cleared the land or if climate change cleared the land and then they moved south. Paleoarchaeologist John Maley and his colleagues published a paper in October 2017 in which they argued for the climate hypothesis, citing sediment layers found in lakes in Ghana, Gabon, and the Congo. These show evidence of increased erosion around 2,650 years ago, presumably thanks to more intense monsoon rains. That lines up well with the other evidence for the climate shift and an earlier study had sampled pollen from the sediments at the bottom of Lake Victoria, which showed that the water level 2,200 years ago was much lower than it is today, and that savanna had taken over land formerly shaded by rainforest canopies. But Dr. Garson and his colleagues recently took uh, sediment core from Lake Barambi in Cameroon. The 12-meter-long cylinder of mud held 10,500 years worth of accumulated sediment layers, which contain microscopic bits of material called plant waxes. Plants secrete waxy mixtures of lipids to protect their outer cells, and these waxes can last for thousands of years in soil. Paleoecologists use these plant waxes to record the ratio of hydrogen isotopes the plant got its water from, where the plant got its water, as well as how the plant handled carbon. That's crazy that you can like figure out how plants 10,000 years ago were like where they got their water. Was it groundwater? Was it rainfall? Was it spit? I don't know. Woody plants like trees and shrubs that you would find in a rainforest obtain carbon differently from savanna grasses. So their plant waxes end up with different ratios of the stable isotope carbon 13. Prior to about 2,600 years ago, the plant waxes in Lake Barambi seemed to be mostly from trees and shrubs. But within a century, carbon-13 ratios in the plant waxes washing into Lake Barambi started looking much more like grassland than forests, which matched the pollen data from the other studies. After about 600 years, though, the carbon-14 signature of forests replaced grasslands, suggesting that the rainforest bounced back, which I don't think anybody was arguing. Okay, the findings from Lake Barambi confirmed the earlier pollen studies about the timing of the rainforest crisis, but the ratio of hydrogen isotopes and plant waxes can reveal information about climate because on a scale of decades, those ratios generally line up with the average annual rainfall. In the Lake Barambi sediment core, that evidence pointed to a long gradual drying trend from 7,000 to 2,000 years ago but there didn't seem to be any sudden climate shift near the beginning of the rainforest crisis. In fact, according to the Link Barambi data, the area was actually wetter during the rainforest crisis than it is now, and today it's still mostly covered with rainforest. Also, the tiny shells preserved in sediment cores from the Gulf of Guinea didn't contain any evidence of change in sea surface temperatures either, according to Garson and his colleagues. But when they examined a database of 460 archaeological sites from around that region, they found that very few sites had been dated to earlier than 4,000 years ago. Human activity seems to have started picking up in the region around then, and then it really exploded around 2,600 years ago. Garson and his colleagues say that's evidence of a major population increase right around the beginning of the rainforest crisis. Garson claims that his study is proof that humans caused the late Holocene rainforest crisis, not a drop in annual rainfalls. 
but mainly insists that the most important argument against the blame the humans hypothesis is the sheer geographic scale of the rainforest crisis. It happened at nearly the same time from the equator to the southern Sahara, whereas the Bantu migrations into Central Africa's rainforest occurred more gradually. Long story short, the debate over what happened to Central Africa's late Holocene rainforest is a far from settled question. Chapter 2, The Humid Tropical Zone The African Humid Tropical Climate Zone is also called the Tropical Savanna Climate or Tropical Wet and Dry Climate, and it is characterized by a distinct wet and dry seasons that can have equal durations or longer wetter or longer drier seasons. The drier variation of the tropical savanna climate is typically found adjacent to regions with hot semi-arid climates, such as in East and North Africa. More typical in West Africa is a lengthy dry season followed by a short but extremely rainy, rainy wet season because they are closer to the tropical monsoon climate. The humid tropical climate zone cuts through the center of the continent, spreading from Southern Senegal east to the Eastern Ethiopian highlands near the source of the Nile and extends as far south as Mozambique with the Central African rainforests and temperate savanna climates in the center of the continent. It is the largest climate zone in Africa after the desert climate zone. Chapter 3, the semi-arid zone. The semi-arid climate or steppe climate is a dry climate subtype. It's characterized by precipitation below potential evapotranspiration, but not as low as in a desert climate. There are different kinds of semi-arid climates depending on variables such as temperature, and they give rise to different biomes. In Africa, there are several semi-arid zones. One is called the Sahel, which is a narrow belt of semi-arid climate zone that separates the Sahara from the humid tropical zone. The Sahel area of Africa includes from east to west parts of northern Senegal, southern Mauritania, central Mali, northern Burkina Faso, the extreme south of Algeria, southern Niger, the extreme north of Nigeria, Cameroon, and Central African Republic, central Chad, central and southern Sudan, the extreme north of South Sudan, the northwest regions of Eritrea and Ethiopia, and the south of Somalia. There's another semi-arid region in southern Africa, which includes the extreme south of Angola, the northern half of Namibia, north and west Botswana, southwestern Zimbabwe and Mozambique, and the north of South Africa, where it borders Mozambique and Zimbabwe. Chapter 4, the Mediterranean Zone. The Mediterranean climate is a temperate climate subtype characterized by dry summers and mild, wet winters. The climate zone receives its name from the Mediterranean basin, where this climate type is most common. Mediterranean climate zones are typically located along the western coasts of continents between roughly 30 and 45 degrees north and south of the equator. In Africa, the Mediterranean climate zone is located in northern Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia, where they're closest to the Mediterranean Sea, a small pocket in southwestern South Africa, and small pockets in the Ethiopian and Kenyan highlands. The African cities of Algiers and Tunis are in the Mediterranean basin, and the African city of Cape Town, South Africa, is outside the Mediterranean basin, but still has a Mediterranean climate. Areas with this climate are also where the so-called Mediterranean Trinity of major agricultural products have been traditionally developed. Those are those being wheat, grapes, and olives. There are two types of Mediterranean climates, hot summer and cool summer. 
Hot summer Mediterranean climates typically have very hot and dry summers and mild wet winters with occasional snowfall. In Africa, the hot summer Mediterranean climate is found in southwestern South Africa, and the vegetation region is called finbus, which is Afrikaans for fine plants. It is a small belt of natural shrubland or heathland vegetation located in the Western Cape and Eastern Cape provinces of South Africa. The Fembos region is known for its exceptional degree of biodiversity. The cool summer Mediterranean climate occurs at higher altitudes and in Africa, it's located in the Ethiopian and Kenyan highlands. Diverse rainfall and temperature patterns are largely a result of Ethiopia's location in Africa's tropical zone and the country's varied topography. Altitude-induced climactic conditions form the basis for three environmental zones, cool, temperate, and hot, which have been known to Ethiopians since antiquity as the Dega, the Vina Dega, and the Kala, respectively. The cool zone consists of the central parts of the eastern and western sections of the northwestern plateau and a small part around Harare. The hot zone consists of areas where the elevation is lower than 1,500 meters. In the temperate zone, in January, the high-pressure system that produces monsoons in Asia crosses the Red Sea. Although these northeast trade winds bring rain to the coastal plains and the eastern escarpment in Eritrea, they are essentially cool and dry and provide little moisture to the country's interior. Their effect on the coastal region, however, is to create a Mediterranean-like climate. Winds that originate over the Atlantic Ocean and blow across equatorial Africa have a marked seasonal effect on much of Ethiopia. The resulting weather pattern provides the highlands with most of its rainfall during a period that generally lasts from mid-June to mid-September. Chapter 5. The Desert Zone The desert climate zone is a dry climate subtype in which there is a severe excess of evaporation over precipitation. The typically bald, rocky, or sandy surfaces in desert climates are dry and hold little moisture, quickly evaporating the already little rainfall they receive. Over one-third of the African continent is covered by desert. There are nine major deserts in Africa. The largest and best known, of course, is the Sahara Desert, which is 9.2 million square kilometers, and it's found in the countries of Algeria, Chad, Egypt, Eritrea, Libya, Mali, Mauritania, Morocco, Niger, Western Sahara, Sudan, and Tunisia. The Sahara Desert was created around 7 million years ago as the remnants of a vast sea called Tethys closed up. The Sahara is not one huge uniform desert, but it is made up of many regions, each with their own rainfall levels, temperatures, plants, and wildlife. As such, the Sahara is made up of varied terrain, including sand dunes, volcanic mountains, plains, stony plateaus, and crucially, oases, which allow trading routes to develop between North African ports and populations in Sub-Saharan Africa. Next in size is the Kalahari Desert, which is 930,000 square kilometers, and it is found in Botswana, Namibia, and South Africa. Some academics maintain that because parts of the Kalahari receive more than 10 inches of rain annually, it's not a true desert. It is this annual precipitation of 4 to 20 inches that allows the desert to support vegetation, such as resilient grasses, thorny shrubs, and acacia trees. Unique features of the Kalahari Desert are the prominent sand dunes and huge salt pans left behind by long ago dried up lakes. The Okavango River runs through the Kalahari and other non-permanent water sources appear during the rainy season. Because of this access to water, the Kalahari is home to lions, brown hyenas, meerkats, antelopes, and a wide variety of birds and reptiles. Much of the desert is part of Botswana's central Kalahari National Park. 
Then we have the Karoo Desert of South Africa at 400,000 square kilometers. The Karoo is divided into two distinct regions, the succulent Karoo biome to the west and the Nama Karoo biome, which covers much of South Africa's southern interior plateau. The succulent Karoo has the world's richest flora of succulent plants with an estimated 10,000 succulent species. Underground water is found across the Karoo, which has been tapped over the decades by settlers and it allows the Namakaru to be used for grazing by sheep and goats. Then we have the Donakil Desert, which is 137,000 square kilometers and is found in the countries of Djibouti, Eritrea, and Ethiopia. The Donakil Desert is situated in the Afar Triangle, which stretches across northeastern Ethiopia and the coast of southern Eritrea and northwestern Djibouti. The desert is one of the most extreme environments in the whole of Africa with lava lakes, volcanoes, hot springs, geysers, and some impressive multicolored salt lakes. Less than one inch of rainfall is recorded each year, and the Donakil Desert is both one of the lowest and hottest places on Earth, reaching soaring temperatures of up to 50 degrees Celsius or 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Then you have the Chalbi Desert in neighboring Kenya at 100,000 square kilometers. Located to the east of Kenya's Lake Turkana, the Chalbi Desert is one of the hottest and most arid places in Kenya. The name comes from the Gabra dialect for bare and salty, which seems particularly appropriate given this vast bleach stretch of earth as an old riverbed dotted with rocks and huge dried clay formations. Then we have the Namib Desert at 81,000 square kilometers, and it's located in the countries of Angola, Namibia, and South Africa. The Namib Desert has some of the highest dunes on the planet at over 300 meters, and it's thought to be the world's oldest desert at around 80 million years old. Stretching along the Atlantic coastal region of Southern Africa, the Namib Desert merges with the Kalahari Desert to the south. The climate is extremely arid due to interactions between the dry Namib winds and the Atlantic's Benguela Current. It's these forces that form dense fogs, which provide the main water source for many of the desert's plants and animals. The Guban Desert is around 7,000 square kilometers and it's located in Somalia. The Guban Desert refers to the narrow burnt land which runs to the northeasternmost tip of the northern Somali coast between the cities of Zela and Berbera. The hot dry plain on the Gulf of Aden coast has a system of sandy seasonal watercourses and sparse steppe vegetation. Kenya is also home to the Nyeri Desert which is around 700 square kilometers. The Nyeri Desert, also known as the Nyika or Taru Desert, lies in southern Kenya between Amboseli, Sava West, and Nairobi National Parks. The desert is in the rain shadow region of Mount Kilimanjaro, which is Africa's highest mountain, contributing to the extremely low levels of rainfall. However, there are several large springs that support large mammals, including elephants, giraffes, rhinoceros, lions, leopards, and kudu, and provide water for groves of small thorny trees and some baobabs. Going back to Djibouti, you have the Grand Barra Desert, which is about 103 kilometers, square kilometers rather. The Grand Barra Desert is located in southern Djibouti, and it is the remains of a dried up lake bed, now made up of large sand flats interspersed with sparse desert grasses and shrubs. The desert is flat and infertile with no bushes or trees, but despite this, several large species of mammals have adapted to live in the region, including Dik Dik and Oryx. The smallest of Africa's deserts is the Lampul Desert, which is 18 square kilometers, and it is located in Senegal. This desert is found in northwestern Senegal between Dakar and Saint Louis. 
The five major climate zones of Africa have changed dramatically over the last 3,000 years from the late Holocene African rainforest crisis to the expansion of the Sahara, which is known as desertification. The desertification of the Sahara is generally thought to have happened in prehistoric times, but it is actually fairly recent in human history. For instance, the ancient kingdom of the Numidians, which was located in present-day Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, and some parts of Morocco, was known for its cypress trees, which they traded with the Phoenicians and Romans. Ancient Roman historians also wrote about the forests that surrounded Morocco's Atlas Mountains and the fearsome Atlas lions that could be found in those uh, forests, but those forests are largely gone, as is the Atlas lion. These climate zones and the changes that they've undergone have shaped human civilizational development across Africa, whether it be the encouragement of pastoral societies in Africa's humid tropical and semi-arid zones, or the use of mud brick to build cities in the semi-arid Sahel region. Next episode, I'll be discussing the five major language groups of Africa. Join me next time for more Musings on History.